the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Folks, it's time for the Saturday Power Hour. I'm Pat Williams, your host. So glad you're with us here on AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word, in Orlando, Florida. Jeff Sennis, engineering today. Andrew Herdliska, producing. And Andrew has produced Gordon Jackson, who is in Millersville, Pennsylvania, as we speak. We're going to talk about Gordon's book, The God Who Blesses, 50 Reflections on Blessings and Blessedness. Gordon, welcome to Orlando. How are you? I am well, thank you. Thank you for having me on your show, Pat. Uh, I'm eager to get one thing established here on this uh, subtitle, Blessings and Blessedness. Uh, Can you explain what those words mean? Well, we start with the verb bless, and we're talking here about God being a loving God who is only too ready to share his blessings on us, which is another noun, and then blessedness, which is an adjective. That's telling us the state of having received the blessing. So the words are obviously all related to each other, and one starts with the idea of these all being rooted in God's grace to us and God's giving us so many more good things in our lives than we can even count or imagine. Now, uh, let's dive in. Your your first topic under uh, the basics, the God who blesses. Uh, start, start there and explain that, and then we'll keep moving, Gordon. Well, as I've just said, God is uh, one who created us, who made us for no reason other than his great pleasure and for his will. And he has chosen to bless us in uh, infinite ways. One thing that I've found interesting is the relationship between uh, blessing or blessedness and God's grace. And there's an overlap there, but we mustn't confuse the two of them because blessing is a result of grace. We are not saved by blessing. We are saved by grace. And it's important that we keep those concepts separate. And blessedness is something that results from our relationship with God, but we are redeemed, we are saved, not because of blessing. That's because of God's grace towards us. 
Let's move to topic two, Beyond Unicorns, Blessing Defined. And then you, well, uh, and then you follow that up with another topic, Blessings from the Beginning. Yes. A quick word about unicorns. <laughs> Your listeners may be wondering, what on earth do unicorns have to do with blessings? <laughs> well, in the, in the world of collective nouns, we speak about a blessing of unicorns. So just as you have a, a pride of lions, you could have a blessing of unicorns. But that's not what we're thinking about. We want to know from a Christian point of view, what do blessings mean? And that ties in with a wonderful Old Testament concept. We have the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom conveys a state of a richness, of fullness, of flourishing that God's people in an ideal situation uh, would enjoy. We should always be striving in our local communities and in uh, the world generally for a state of shalom. The second point that you mentioned uh, has to do with the, uh, the point of blessings from the beginning. And what's really interesting is, as you look at Scripture and the different phases or uh, chapters, and I mean that in the bigger sense, we see how God blesses uh, at various beginnings, uh, such as the creation story itself. God looks upon what he has made and he has proclaimed it good. He blesses his creation. Then we have the flood, which is a new beginning, and God blesses Noah and his family with the call of Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant. We have another kind of blessing. Then we've got in the New Testament Mary with the uh, visit by Gabriel telling her she will bear the Christ child, a blessing as we begin the new a chapter with God's relationship with his people. The birth of Jesus itself is, of course, a new beginning and a blessing. And then when is this I find very interesting, when Jesus blesses his disciples on his ascension, once the resurrection has occurred, he then moves on to spend 40 days with his disciples. But then at the ascension, he doesn't say goodbye. Uh, he blesses them. The last action that Jesus does with his people on earth is a blessing. And I think that's very powerful as he hands them over to uh, the work of the Holy Spirit and to uh, begin building his church. That new chapter, too, begins with a blessing. My guest is Gordon Jackson. He's in Millersville, Pennsylvania, as we speak. I want you to talk about proposing a toast. And then tell us about blessing in the Old Testament and the New. The proposing a toast concept is an idea I had when I was trying to imagine what it means in uh, human terms to give a blessing. So picture the scene. It's your son's or your daughter's wedding. You're the father or the mother, 
and you are called upon to propose a toast. What you're calling uh, for is the general well-being for this newly married couple. You're wanting them to uh, have a flourishing relationship. You want good things for them. And it's similar in a way to what I see God doing each day for us. We begin the day with God saying, Pat, I bless you this day. I'm proposing a toast that things will go well for you, that you will know my goodness and my love and my grace today. The difference between a toast at a wedding and the proposed toast or the imagined toast I have of God saying each day to us, I care about you, I want the best for you, is that the father of the bride or the father of the groom proposing the toast can make a, a wish. He can wish them well, but he doesn't have the power to make things happen. God, by contrast, does. And God makes a wish for our well-being, and he then brings about his will for you and for me as we go through the day. So it's not a perfect analogy, but it's one that I think helps us imagine our loving God wanting the best for us. And uh, I think this little exercise of thinking at the beginning of the day, here is God proposing a toast for Gordon saying, Gordon, I wish you well this day. And coming as it does, backed by God's power, uh, is for me a powerful image. Gordon, uh, who gets to bless and who gets blessed and Tell us also about blessings and curses. Let's begin with blessings and curses. When I was preparing this book, I spoke with a former colleague of mine uh, who was a theology professor, and he said, now be sure if you're doing a book on blessings that you speak about cursings. And that seems to be counterintuitive. Why would you want to do that? Well, the answer comes in the Old Testament, and we know that as the children of Israel are making their pilgrimage out of Egypt, they come to these two mountains, and one of them is the Mount of Blessings, the other the Mount of Cursings. And the message for us today is we have been invited to a life with God that is immersed in blessings, but there are no guarantees that those blessings will keep coming if we stray from God's will, if we knowingly disobey him, we will get the effect of a set of curses coming upon us. Bad stuff will happen, not because God is waiting to be vindictive against us, but as a natural consequence. If you drive insanely fast on the roads, you can expect something bad to happen. If you live a life that is reckless and dangerous and a courting disaster, eventually you're likely to marry that disaster and you will end up uh, with some kind of curse upon you, not that God has cursed you, but that you have chosen to uh, travel a path that is inviting trouble. So I think that's a modern application for the Old Testament picture of blessings and cursings. Back to the other uh, point that you mentioned, or the uh, other section, 
and I'm trying to remember now which one that was. But well, we were, we were talking about uh, who gets to oh, bless gets and, to and bless. who and who yeah. gets blessed. Yes, usually with blessings, it's someone of a higher status or a superior position. So, for example, if you're in church on Sunday and the service concludes with the pastor giving a benediction and giving a blessing on everyone. It's usually a person of higher status blessing someone of lower status or authority. And then, of course, with God blessing, it's a a being of infinitely higher status than us. Now, there are exceptions to that, and it depends on how we use the word uh, blessing, because blessing does have other meanings. At times we talk about God, uh, about us blessing God. We have in the Psalms the reference, bless the Lord, O my Savior. And here we're talking about praising God, and it's going in the reverse direction. We are the ones of lower status, bringing honor and praise to the God who is of, as I said, infinitely higher status. But the bottom line is almost always we're talking about someone of higher status blessing someone of lower status. So when in your church, if you uh, practice communion with people going up to the front and the pastor or other elders may hand you the elements, uh, they will often say a blessing on you. Or if you've got young children with you, they may bless the children. And again, that's an example of someone of status within the church setting giving a blessing to someone of lower status. Gordon Jackson is our guest. The book, The God Who Blesses. Talk to us about blessings are for people, not things, and also blessings made tangible. Yes. We talk about uh, things like Um, bless the ship when we launch a new vessel. And we say, God bless this ship and all who sail on her. Well, uh, that's good and well, but we need to keep in mind that we're talking about blessing the people who will sail on her. We don't uh, focus on, or we shouldn't be in our thinking, focusing on the vessel itself. But maybe if you buy a new car, you pray, for God's blessing on this acquisition. But what you really should be doing is asking God to bless the people who will ride in that vehicle and keep them safe. Uh, It's easy to get things out of focus and to ask God's blessing on a new home that you've moved into and focus on the structure and the building whereas the focus should be on blessing the people who will live there, people who will visit there. So that's the uh, emphasis that I have uh, in that section. Um, I think we can do silly things like saying, you know, we've just bought this uh, new uh, set of cookware. God bless our new cookware. And there are some people in cultures where uh, maybe superstition Uh, is more prevalent than in more rationalistic Western societies. And those people will ask for blessings on uh, inanimate objects. 
So uh, I think one needs to be careful that you don't bless things that are things rather than you bless them for the purpose that people will make of those items. And that's really closely related to blessings made tangible, where we are talking about uh, God putting us in a real world with real things. We get hungry, we sleep, we uh, work with people, and those blessings play out in a real world. Uh, God likes stuff, as one writer has said, and that's why he made stuff, he made us, and Blessings are real things in a real setting. Gordon Jackson is our guest. we got another segment with Gordon talking about his book, The God Who Blesses. This is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Gordon Jackson is our guest, talking about his book, The God Who Blesses, 50 Reflections on Blessings and Blessedness. Gordon, uh, let's reflect on stealth blessings. And, And while you're at it, talk to us about the Beatitudes. Well, as I say in the uh, introduction to the section on the Beatitudes, it is very presumptuous of me. I'm not a trained theologian. I don't have any formal uh, Bible training. But for me to uh, presume to write something on the Beatitudes uh, is rather comical, given how much over the past two millennia has been written on Jesus' key sermon Uh, on the mount. Uh, But nevertheless, uh, what's uh, key in the Beatitudes is the very fact that God does bless us and that there are conditions that are outlined in the Beatitudes that apply to God's disciples. A lot of people who are not Christians would read the Beatitudes and dismiss them as idealistic impossibilities. Well, Jesus wasn't talking to them. He was talking to you and me who are his followers, and we're expected to um, honor standards or meet standards uh, that are exceptionally uh, high and unusual. And the idea of uh, loving our enemies, for example, is something that is alien to uh, people who do not have a Christian commitment. The uh, other thing that you wanted me to uh, touch on, I'm trying to find that here. Well, we were talking, it it, it was the uh, stealth blessings and the Beatitudes. Oh, yes. The stealth blessings, uh, I'm making the point there that uh, God blesses us in ways we don't even see or recognize. Think of um, medical advances, for example. A hundred years ago, uh, medical knowledge was so much more limited than it is now. And we have had uh, an awareness of how marvelous and complex the body is. We understand that much better, and we realize to a greater extent how God has blessed us with 
Um, for example, the human brain, uh, we have an extraordinarily complex organ in the form of the human brain that we've only begun to realize in the past 30, 40, 50 years, perhaps. So there are so many more blessings out there that we just don't know about that are coming in under the radar. And maybe as time goes by, we will discover more of the complexity of the world God has made and blessed us with, and we will then see these things in a way we cannot see them today. Gordon, I want you to talk about blessings as permission and then also blessings in disguise. Yes, blessings as permission. I had this little scenario as I introduced that section of a young woman asking her father to bless uh, the marriage that she wanted to have with someone and uh, the question is whether he would do so. And uh, when we ask someone to bless us, it had better be for something that is really uh, in keeping with what that person would wish for us. So if you're going to do something that's uh, clearly out of God's will, don't go on a uh, drug-running mission and ask God's blessing for your safety. Uh, that's just plain dumb and uh, plain wrong. So blessings as um, permission means if you're going to do something that is uh, in keeping with God's will, or at the very least doesn't contradict his will, uh, then by all means go ahead and pray for his blessing on your enterprise. But don't insult God by seeking his blessing if you're going to do something that is egregiously uh, out of line with what he would want. Uh, then uh, the other one uh, had to do with a blessing in disguise. There are times when we just don't know whether something that's occurred to us is good or bad. And it may seem bad at the time, but a little later it may prove to be good. And the story is told of the British Prime Minister, Winston Churchill, who immediately after World War II, which he had helped Britain, uh, in which he'd helped Britain triumph, he was kicked out of office. He was voted out by the electorate who had at one stage adored him for his leadership. And one of his, uh, one of his um, aides said to him, uh, we'll see this as a blessing in disguise. And he said, well, if it is a blessing, it's in a very good disguise. So sometimes we don't know whether a thing has turned out well for us or badly for us, because it may seem to have turned out well, but then uh, a little later we realize, no, this is not a good situation for us. So we need to reserve judgment at times before we uh, clearly proclaim something as a blessing or not a blessing. Now, uh, Gordon, Gordon Jackson, our guest, an abundance of blessing and also the responsibility of being blessed. Uh, tell us more. 
Well, let me say just a little about the responsibility of being blessed. And um, there was a fellow in World War I, a Brit, uh, named Lord Dunsany. And the story is told by the Bible commentator William Barclay that Dunsany survived the horrors of trench warfare in which a number of his men whom he was commanding uh, were killed. And he came out of that awful, awful experience saying, why is it that my life has been spared and those of others were not? And he concluded that God must have spared me uh, for a very special purpose. And that's where you look at the responsibility of blessings because he was aware that if God had spared him, God meant to do something with his life. And he, in fact, went on to be a very productive writer and was very accomplished in a number of areas. Now, we're not all going to be uh, productive writers or productive people. Uh, very few of us will have experienced the horrors of warfare. But each of us is responsible to uh, live out the uh, lives that God has given us. And we have been blessed with so many things that we need to say, what is God expecting of me in return uh, as a way of honoring him with my life? So that would be, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, that would be one of the uh, things I'd say about uh, the responsibilities of blessing. Gordon, we've got exactly a minute left. Time for one more. Blessings anticipated. Yes, there we are looking, um, ultimately, we're looking at the end times. We're looking at the fact that God is in control of his universe and that we have awaiting us not only the end of our own lives, uh, that we will end up uh, being blessed with the promise of heaven, but in the long run, God is going to be uh, blessing us uh, with uh, eternity and eternity that he will control. Ladies and gentlemen, Gordon Jackson has been our guest, author of The God Who Blesses, 50 Reflections on Blessings and Blessedness. Go ahead and get that book. Uh, you, your life will be blessed. Well, folks, we've got more. Uh, stay with us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, we've been doing the show for years and always so glad that uh, you join us. Uh, the call letters are AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word, in Orlando. We have more. Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Now, here's Pat. Well, folks, uh, we're back. And uh, thank you very much for uh, hanging in over the break there. We uh, talked to Gordon Stewart Jackson. And now, uh, Andrew Toe is with us. He's the lead pastor. Tau, I'm so sorry. I should, <laughs> okay. I should have known that, Andrew. He's the lead pastor of Ramp Church, Chattanooga, 
his book, Breaking the Spirit of Delilah. Uh, and we're so glad, Andrew, to have you here. How you doing? It is my honor to be here, and I am doing well. Andrew, what is the spirit of Delilah, and why is it after you? You know, I wrote this book, uh, Breaking the Spirit of Delilah, after an encounter with the Lord. Uh, of course, you know, I've, I've been in church. I've, I've been a pastor. I've preached for years since I was a child. So I've preached many sermons on Samson and Delilah. You know, many of your listeners probably know the, the basis of the story of Samson and Delilah. But he went beyond that and began to reveal to me uh, an ancient spirit that was really attacking believers today. I believe some listening today may be going through attack, and they don't even know what they're facing. But it's a spirit that begins to attack your passion for the things of God. It begins to, to make you and berate you to where you want to give up and compromise your destiny just to get relief. And that's what the enemy wants, is he really wants people to compromise and, and just to forfeit their destiny. You know, the Word says the enemy has come to steal to kill, and to destroy. Then Jesus said, but I came to give you life and life more abundantly. And so the enemy wants to come in to attack our destiny. He wants to overwhelm us to where we forfeit what God has for us, to where we just say, you know, I can't take it anymore. I know I've been in those places where I've felt uh, the attacked on the left and attacked on the right, and it seems like everywhere around me, I'm just overwhelmed, and I just want to say, God, I can't do this anymore. And for those of you that may be listening to this and you feel that way, that spirit will attack you and try to overwhelm you. But God has already given you the victory. So the spirit of Delilah really is a, a, a spirit of the enemy that comes to steal your vision, comes to steal your passion for God. It comes to steal your walk with God and to leave you in a path of destruction. My guest is Andrew Tao. He's in Chattanooga, breaking the spirit of Delilah. Let's talk about topic number two, spiritual symptoms of an attack by Delilah. Uh, what are they, Andrew? Well, number one, this, the, the greatest indicator or spiritual symptom, as I call them, would be your lack of passion for the things of God. It would, uh, you know, when you get into a place where you're settling for religion or you're you're settling for doing what, uh, you know, people think is right or what you think you ought to do, but you're not really experiencing that fire of God. You're not really experiencing that desperate hunger for God. You don't really, uh, you know, it is just a loss of the spiritual desire. Uh, the next symptom would be spiritual fatigue and battle weariness. See, sometimes when you go through some things for a long time, and, and you've been fighting for a while, you get tired. Mm. I know I'm not the only one that gets tired, but many of us, we all get tired sometimes. And, uh, you know, you're just weary from the battle. And, and that's why the Bible says, don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. So right before the season of reaping comes the temptation to faint or to lose heart is what that word means. So, you know, uh, spiritual fatigue and battle weariness. Uh, another symptom is tormenting thoughts. You know, Samson faced tormenting thoughts when he came up against the spirit of Delilah. He was uh, to the point, book is, uh, in Judges chapter 16, it tells us that she pressed him daily 
with her words. She pressed him with tormenting thoughts. And, and the Bible says that he was at the place where he had suicidal uh, uh temptation where he just wanted to die. He said, it's enough. I can't take anymore. Uh, so it also has to do with the uh, suicidal um, thoughts or temptations, tormenting thoughts. The biggest one would probably be romancing things that, that bring destruction. Because Delilah was a Philistine woman. So Samson was forbidden to run after Delilah or to lust after Delilah. God had called Samson to deliver his people from the Philistines from the Philistine oppression. And when you get up under attack, sometimes you begin to desire to romance things that will ultimately bring your destruction. That's why we have to have our guard up. Um, let, me, let me run through these real quick. Uh, another thing would be uh, compromise, uh, touching dead things. You know, we all celebrate the life of Samson, but one of the things in, that I found out in, in writing this book is his compromise in touching dead things. You know, when he took the jawbone of an ass and, and he killed thousands of men, that was actually forbidden of God. God still anointed him. And that's what happens sometimes is when we're in compromise, God will still bless us. He will still use us. He's so rich in mercy. Uh, so he won't publicly expose us until we get to the point where he says enough is enough, but touching dead corpses, you know, when he went and took honey out of the, uh, uh, the dead lion's corpse, that was forbidden. And so when you get up under this attack, under this, the strategy of the enemy against God's warriors, you begin to, to go down routes that you never thought you would go down. You, you do things you never thought you would do. And that's what happened in the life of, life of Samson. He began to slowly, slowly, one by one, go down a life of compromise until ultimately he was laying his head in Delilah's lap. My guest is Andrew Tao. We're talking about his book, Breaking the Spirit of Delilah. Uh, here's the next topic for you, Andrew. Counterfeit, right. counterfeit, compromise, and thoughts of suicide? Yes. You know, Pat, this is one of my uh, favorite chapters because I went through a time of depression. I went through uh, three years of depression, uh, and uh, I've served the Lord all of my life. I I've traveled. I started traveling and singing for Him when I was nine years old. I recorded my first album and started traveling with different ministries. Um, so I'd never been to a place where I stopped hearing the voice of God. I've always heard his voice. I've always loved his word and loved his presence. But I went through a, a season that I went through great depression, and uh, I did not leave my house for three years. Very few times did I leave my house in three years. Um, I had an inheritance from, from my grandparents, and I lived off that and did not leave and I, I could not explain, I can't even, even talking to you today, I cannot explain it other than it was a hellish depression sent from the enemy. And uh, I wasted away to like 130 pounds because I couldn't <laughs> eat or sleep. Uh, and for a man my size and my height, that's, you know, dangerously thin. You know, I, I wasn't dieting. I just could not eat. I could not sleep. It was just a constant torment. 
because that's the way the enemy works. He wants to 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 press us until there's no relief. And what happens when we get under that pressure is we will begin to 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 think of things that will relieve that pressure. We'll begin to think of things, uh, you know, how can I stop this pressure? In my own life, when I went through that three years depression, I uh, had laid in the bed coming to the end of it, to make a long story short, but uh, coming to the end of it, I had laid in the bed for three days straight, hadn't showered, hadn't shaved, hadn't eaten, and I had the Christian television on, uh, just begging God to speak something to me because I hadn't heard his voice. And all I could hear were these tormenting thoughts, no one loves you. The world would be so much better without you here. And, and all of these things, and some of the, the listeners today, maybe you're dealing with that, and maybe the enemy is coming at you, telling you, you know, you're worthless. No one loves you. That's the voice of the enemy. You are God's vessel. You are God's chosen warrior. God has an assignment for your life. And that's what the spirit of Delilah does. It comes after your assignment. It comes after your vision. It wants to lead you down a path of compromise. But in my own life, at the end of those three days, Pat, I really began to think on and contemplate, you know, what is in my medicine cabinet just to to take that I could just end this pain and I could I could stop this pressure that I'm under. And the moment I began to think those thoughts, I had the Christian television on and a friend of mine was on there singing. I hadn't heard a word of the song, didn't know who was on the broadcast that day. But she came to a line in the song that repeated over and over. And she was declaring, there's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. And she was repeating that line over and over when suddenly the presence of God hit my spirit. And I remember it surprised me because for three years I've been praying, God, speak something to me, rebuke me. I, I don't care what, I just want to hear your voice. And I hadn't heard anything. And that's, that's the danger when God is silent. What do you do? But that song, that line hit my spirit and I grabbed my Bible and I ran into my living room and I began to cry out to God. And I said, the God that I've served my whole life, if you're really real, now, see, that's the way the enemy will do. That's the spirit of Delilah will come and begin to make you question everything in your life. I've served God my whole life. And I said, God, if you're really real, then I need you to come and deliver me today. And Pat, the presence of God filled my living room that day. And he set me free from depression. He set me free from those tormenting thoughts. And I have never been the same again. It's been 25 years later. I've never been the same again. So I know if God did it for me, he can do it for whoever's listening. He can do it for anybody that is dealing with this spirit that has been tormenting and plaguing their mind. I'm telling you, there's no other answer but Jesus Christ. Andrew Tao is our guest, Breaking the Spirit of Delilah. Here's the next topic for us before the break, Andrew. Prayer... Prayer unlocks supernatural deliverance. You know, it's so true because prayer is the key to everything with God. He says, you have not because you ask not. So when we begin to pray, it unlocks a supernatural realm to us. When we begin to pray, we get in tune 
with the, uh, with the Father, and He begins to release His will and His purposes through us. And so I write about in that chapter, one of my favorite uh, pieces of text or, or, or chapters in here is, comes from the book of Acts, where Peter is locked in prison. James had just been killed by the sword, and now they've taken Peter captive. He's chained between two guards, and his execution, it's looming over his head. But the Bible tells us that the New Testament church, they gathered together, and they begin to pray without ceasing. That means they, they prayed intently. They were praying for his deliverance. They were interceding on his behalf. And when they began to pray, the Bible tells us that an angel appeared in the midst of the prison, and a great light shone into the prison. And, and the angel said to Peter, rise up quickly. And Peter was still in a daze. He thought this was, this is a dream. He, he didn't even understand what was happening. But he followed him out of the prison. And see, really, prayer is the key to deliverance relationship with God and, and that communion with our Father is the key that unlocks a supernatural move of God. You know, we are seeing revivals begin to break out in universities. We're seeing revival begin to break out in the church because God is saying to the church, awaken in this hour. And I believe even today, those that are listening to your, your program today, I believe God is raising up some warriors and he is saying, it is time for your deliverance. It's time for you to come out of the chains that have been holding you captive. It is time for you to walk in the supernatural power of God. This is the hour of deliverance. My guest, <clears throat> he's in Chattanooga, Tennessee. His name, Andrew Tao, lead pastor of the Ramp Church in Chattanooga. We're talking about his book, Breaking the Spirit of Delilah. Accessing God's power to topple ancient strongholds. And when we come back, uh, Andrew's going to talk to us about agents of awakening. Uh, so stay with us. Uh, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We gather like this every weekend right here at AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. We're always so pleased when you join us. Um, and uh, thank you so much for taking the time to Listen to some of these very, very interesting guests that we have. We're back with Andrew Tao. Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5. The Word. Now, here's Pat. Andrew Tao is with us from Chattanooga. We're talking about his book, Breaking the Spirit of Delilah. And Andrew, as I mentioned, I want you to talk to us about Agents of Awakening. You know, Pat, I believe that God is raising up Agents of Awakening. I believe everyone that is listening to this broadcast is called to be an Agent of Awakening. In this chapter, I write about David. He's, he's one of my favorite men in the Word of God because he was a warrior and he was a worshiper. And so we know the story of of, of David and Goliath, you know, even the world uh, outside of the church knows the story of David and Goliath, the massive giant that was mocking God. And I believe that in this hour, we have a Goliath that is mocking the things of God. He is mocking God. His mock culture is telling us uh, it's mocking everything to do with the Bible, with God. 
But what happens is that that they were under Saul. Saul was the king at that time, and and he was uh, his men were on one mountain, and the Philistines were on the other mountain. And the giant Goliath would come out in the valley, and he would be crying out for for them to send a man, man to fight him. But they were all afraid, and and no one came out to fight. But then David came in on the scene. He wasn't even there to fight that day, but he came in on the scene to bring his brothers supplies. And he heard the giant mocking God, and the Spirit of God rose up in him. Like some of you listening to this broadcast, he has called you to be an agent of awakening. And the Spirit of God is rising up in you. And he began to say, you know, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that is mocking the living God? And so we know the story of what happens there. God was looking for an agent to bring awakening. And so he takes down Goliath. To make a long story short, he takes down Goliath. But what is interesting about that story is the moment that David arose, he brought down Goliath, then all the other men of Israel rose up and pursued after the Philistines. So all it takes is one agent of awakening to rise up and say, no, we don't have to stay here. Awaken. And when they see the power of God demonstrated in that agent, they will begin to wake up. And I believe that's what we're seeing right now on university campuses. We are seeing uh, agents of awakening rising up, and people are running after the things of God. Now, Andrew, I want you to talk about cold to the fire. What's that mean? Well, this is, we see this in churches all the time. We see this in, in people's relationship with God, especially if you're around the things of God and, and you've been in church for very long at all, then sometimes we'll start to take that for granted. Or sometimes we'll, uh, you know, just be cold to the fire as, as far as, you know, I tell my church all the time, I said, you know, we have God move every Sunday, but we don't want to take that for granted. We don't want to take his presence for granted. Uh, well, he'll just come because, you know, we'll get together and he just always comes. But there's always more of God. There's always more. We never graduate to a place where we say, okay, we've got all that God has for us. No, there's always more. So he is after people's pursuit. He wants us to pursue after him, and he wants to reveal himself in new ways to us. And sometimes, if we're not careful, then we'll get around other people that are on fire, and we'll just warm ourselves by the fire. But ourselves, we're cold to the fire. We're, we're good with it as long as we can come one, one day a month or, or we can listen to a program like this and we can warm ourselves by the fire. But God says, I want to fill you with fire. I want the fire of God to burn uh, the, with a fiery passion for the things and the heart of God. And so that chapter really begins to talk about, you know, warning ourselves to uh, not grow cold to the fire of God or to the things of God. Now, <clears throat> Andrew, talk to us about Delilah loves the powerless church. Oh, it, that spirit loves the powerless church. That spirit uh, loves for people to get satisfied. See, this spirit is really after warriors. This spirit, uh, and it's really taken from the book of Judges 
you know, because there was a real-life woman, flesh-and-blood woman named Delilah, but the evil force or the evil spirit that was behind her went after Samson. And the Bible says that she pressed him daily. She attacked him with her words, but it says that she made him—this is taken from verse 19—and she made him sleep upon her knees, because the goal of the enemy in this hour, he knows— that believers have authority over him. Whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. We have authority through the name of Jesus that we can take authority over the enemy. But this spirit, the Bible says that she made him sleep upon her knees. It wants to lure us into a place of uh, uh, slumber. And that's what's happening in a lot of churches is that we've grown comfortable, we no longer desire the presence of God, we're going through ritual and routine, and the enemy is lulling us into this sleep, into this uh, comatose state to where we are just uh, slumbering and going through the motions. But the Lord, and through this book, the Lord is is sounding an alarm in the Spirit. It's a wake-up call saying, church, it's your finest hour. This is the time for us to wake up and for us to be the body of Christ and to accomplish what God has called us to do upon the earth. Now, Andrew, explain to us fresh oil from a new container. You know, we all need the oil of His Spirit. Uh, In the Word, it talks about, I use the illustration in this chapter, and I use the, the revelation in this chapter of how that Goliath, I mean, Goliath, I'm sorry, Saul was anointed king, and it says that it was, uh, he was anointed with, uh, uh, by the prophet Samuel with a, a, a vial that was made of man's hands. But when David was anointed, it was totally separate. Uh, the contrast is amazing when you read it in this chapter, because Saul was anointed with big celebration and in front of everybody, and it was a vial uh, that was made of hand that, that flowed over his head. But when David was, he took a horn, which represents a sacrifice, and that was God-made. It was a horn uh, from an animal that was used as a sacrifice. And when the oil began to flow over David, it was done in secret. See, I believe in this hour, God is raising up some of those that have been anointed in the secret place. They've not been anointed because they look the part. They've not been anointed because they're head and shoulders above everybody else. They're not anointed because of connections or because of any other reason other than they've been with God and the fresh oil of His Spirit is beginning to flow. So we're going to see those champions begin to rise up with the fresh oil of God's Spirit. Now, I want you to explain to us stopping the gates of hell. Well, you know, the enemy's plan, we have uh, authority through the name of Jesus. And see, Samson had authority to deliver the, the Philistines from, deliver God's people from the Philistines. They were under Philistine uh, rule and uh, oppression. God raised him up. One of the things that I love about God is even when they went into captivity, he sent 
created a Samson and sent him because he had a plan for their deliverance. And we as believers have to understand we have the authority. We have the authority that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. We are the church. We're the called out ones. We're the legislative body. That means what we legislate here on earth is, is legislated in heaven. He says, you can call those things that be not as though they are. I give unto you power and authority to do the greater works uh, than Jesus did. So we have the authority to stop hell's reign. Hell looks like it's winning. The plots of the enemy looks like it is reigning in this hour. Oh, but I'm telling you, we are going to see the greatest move of God that we have ever experienced before, because champions are arising, and we will fulfill the mission to stop the plan of the enemy. Andrew Tao has been our guest, talking about his book, Breaking the Spirit of Delilah. Uh, We have a wrap-up right after this. Stay with us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word, in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Our first guest, Gordon Stort-Jackson. Glad to have him with us. And then Andrew Tao joined us from Chattanooga to talk about his book, Breaking the Spirit of Delilah. And speaking of books, uh, my most recent book is out. It's called Who Coached the Coaches? Uh, interviewed, uh, I interviewed, gosh, over 200 coaches. Uh, asked them one question, who is the key person in you becoming a coach? And, and that's the meat of the book, uh, what they said to me, what their answer was. I think you'll enjoy it. Who Coached the Coaches by Pat Williams. Well, we'll be back. We will be back next weekend for another session of the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. And remember, you're tuned in to AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. And that's a, a good place just to stay all day. Have a wonderful week ahead. God bless. We'll see you next weekend. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this time, where faith comes by hearing. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.